Is your ultimate goal in parenting to lead your children to Jesus, but you aren't sure how to do that? Do you struggle with having natural conversations with your kids about God without sounding preachy or awkward? Then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode, which is part two of How to Lead Your Child to Christ. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Before we get started on today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shoparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shoparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names. To help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shoparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shoparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before, meaning you can get their great prices all day, every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives. Hey, Ginger. Well, before we dive into part two of this episode, I'd like to just give our listeners a few brief thoughts from last week as a refresher. One is that leading our children to Christ is not about having them go through the motions of a repeat after me prayer or having them baptized by a certain age. You also cautioned us to be careful not to offer our children premature assurance of their salvation not by squashing their enthusiasm, but through wise and patient observance of genuine conversion, namely fruit of the Spirit. Finally, and one of my favorite points from last week, is the difference between a profession of faith and a conversion. A profession is declaring your faith. A conversion is demonstrating or living out your faith. So in other words, a profession is talking the talk. Conversion is walking the walk. So continuing with our discussion from last week, and you left us hanging, by the way. So I'll ask that question again. How can we demonstrate genuine faith to our kids in a day and time when their beliefs will be met with more and more resistance? By making every effort to live our lives in front of our kids in such a way that they experience the reality of Jesus more than the lies of the enemy. Yes, they're going to be bombarded with lies from every angle. 
lies that sound like truth because we're told in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So because he masquerades as an angel of light, it's no wonder that his evil propaganda sounds persuasive and enticing. And because he is so crafty and so sneaky, he filters it in through people our kids trust and respect, like school teachers and college professors and people they look up to on social media. And unfortunately, a lot of the folks that are being idolized on social media have huge followings because they're able to persuasively present what is evil is what is good. Mm. They make it look appealing and enticing, and they label it as cultural growth or progressivism, when in fact, the things they're pushing is progress and the new normal they're not leading to growth at all. They're leading to destruction and spiritual death. Mm. You know, there's been no other time in history where kids suffered from uh, depression and anxiety and identity crisis as much as they do today. So statistics alone speak volumes about the damaging effects these influencers are having on our kids. Katie, I just heard about a photography company that now offers to edit childhood photos for people who have decided to change their gender. Oh, wow. So if God created you as a boy and later in life you decide you'd rather be a girl, this company offers to take your childhood photos and Photoshop your clothes and your hair to make it appear that you've always been a girl. Hmm. How is that even growth and progression. I mean, growth and progression are shown by evaluating history and comparing what it was uh, to where it is now. You don't evaluate and pre- appreciate or and celebrate growth by erasing history. I mean, that's just that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Mm. Not that gender change is something that should be celebrated, but still, it just makes no sense. Mm. Anyway, the point is, you're right, Katie, in saying that this evil mess is everywhere our kids turn. So we need to make sure that they see us, their parents, aggressively seeking and proclaiming and living in the truth of God's Word. They shouldn't just see us as Sunday churchgoers with Bibles on our shelves. No, they need to witness us loving and depending on Jesus every single day. God's Word is not just something we occasionally pull out when we find out that our kids have been exposed to to a lie. It's not just a tool for trying to override and debate or undo the lies our kids are being persuaded to believe. The life-giving truths of God's Word are to be meditated on and lived out in every aspect of our lives. And our kids need to witness that because that's what we're encouraging them to do. That's how we and our children put on the full armor of God by seeking His Word and His truth and His power and His presence so strongly that nothing can stand against us. So, Katie, how can we demonstrate genuine faith to our kids in a day and time when their beliefs will be met with more and more resistance? We're told exactly how to do that in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. Let me just read those verses for our encouragement. Those verses say, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt 
belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which... Uh, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ginger, something else we talked about last week is how we want to encourage our children to put their trust in Jesus without delay, but we don't want them to have a false sense of salvation by just repeating a prayer without a genuine conversion. And I know our listeners would love to hear about some practical ways we can find that balance. Okay, well, I'd like to suggest three ways that we can find that balance. First, when our children talk to us about Jesus, we can encourage them in that. We want to express how excited we are about their desire to know Jesus and to get to uh, we want to get them to talk to us about what they're thinking and feeling about Jesus and about their relationship with Him. We want to encourage them to get to know God better by spending time with Him through prayer and through reading His Word. Maybe even let them assist in picking out an age-appropriate devotional Bible that will help them understand gospel truths. And of course, if they lack reading skills, we can always read the Bible to them. There are some really great resources out there to help young children understand the truths of God's Word and how it applies to their lives. And so as we read to them, we want to encourage them to share their thoughts and to ask questions about anything at all that's confusing them. I highly recommend the ESV Children's Bible. It's geared for kids ages 5 to 10, and it has over 200 colorful illustrations of Bible events and characters. Another really good one is the Gospel Story Bible by Marty Machowski. That's an excellent resource for introducing kids to the people and places and events from both the Old and New Testaments and explaining how they all point to Jesus. And just one more book that I really love for helping young kids understand gospel truths is The Gospel for Children. And we'll be sure to put a link to all of these in our show notes. Ginger, one of my most vivid memories from childhood is when my dad would read me Bible stories at night. So he would ask what story I wanted to read. And my answer was almost always the same. My brother wanted to read about Daniel and, you know, all these heroes of the Bible. I wanted to read about Lot's wife. <laughs> that, that was my favorite what? story. I think that says quite a lot about me as an adult today. Actually. I think it does, too. <laughs> Reading about Lot's wife or your bedtime story. Katie, that's about as bad as watching a horror movie before you try to go to sleep. <laughs> no wonder you didn't like going outside as a child. You were probably <laughs> afraid of being turned into a pillar of salt. Or, a, or probably a puddle of sweat since I grew up in Georgia. <laughs> Seriously, the humidity here is no joke. It is no joke. <laughs> no, it's absolutely not here in Alabama either. You know, that's just the downfall of living. What The only downfall, I would say, to living in a southern state. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big one, though. Yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. So just a word of caution here about reading the Bible to our kids, of course, other than picking stories at bedtime that aren't about people being completely <laughs> pulverized. <laughs> one thing that we don't want to do is discourage them by only using the Bible as a means to rebuke them about their bad behavior. Mm. You know, of course, the Word of God is to be used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, as we're told that in 2 Timothy 3.16. But it is also meant to encourage us in that Jesus has paid the price for all of our sins, and it's meant to offer hope and life to all those who put their trust in Him. 
We also don't want to discourage our kids by holding up their bad behavior as a measuring stick as to whether or not they truly know God. I mean, yes, the scripture says that we are known by our fruit. That's Matthew 7, 16. But we don't want to misrepresent the gospel by saying things like, you know, if you really knew Jesus, you wouldn't act like that. (laughs) Not only will statements like that discourage and confuse our kids, but they're also pretty hypocritical on our parts. Mm -hmm. As sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of the glory of God and are in just as much need of His grace as our kids are. So we need to be careful to not use God's wrath as a threat or as a scare tactic for correcting our kids uh, for wrong behavior. Okay, just to clarify here, in case my dad is listening, in my childlike fascination with the wrath of God, I requested the story of Lot's wife over and over (laughs) again. I'm pretty sure he wasn't using that to terrify me, though it probably would have been pretty effective if he had. Well, well, I actually didn't think that for one second. (laughs) I've heard enough of your stories about your childhood to know that that was probably pretty much all you. <laughs> not that I'm vivid keeping, imagination. <laughs> you, you really do. And you know, not that I'm keeping a record of wrongs or anything, but anyone who would hide jelly beans in their <laughs> white gloves at church so they could try and suck out the juice without getting caught. <laughs> and anyone who would uh, blacken her own eye with stage makeup to get her brother in trouble is yeah, yeah you pretty much bound to re- request unusual stories at that time. <laughs> of course you asked to hear about Lot's wife. <laughs> the more I ponder my own childhood, the more I am thankful that my kids aren't more like me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know your dad wasn't trying to scare you, but I appreciate that you wanted to clarify that. But, you know, there are some parents who might not even be aware that they're using scare tactics to try and bring their kids to Jesus and parents that might not realize um, that they're encouraging wrong motives. When we say something like, God's going to get you if you don't stop fighting with your sister. Mm. That's not only using a scare tactic, but it's also encouraging motivations that that are pretty much centered around self-preservation instead of a love of virtue. We want our children to do what's right out of a love for God, not out of a fear of punishment or self-preservation of some sort. When they sin, we want to encourage them to find refuge in the forgiveness of Jesus. And as we discussed last week, we want them to witness us doing the same. So one of the ways that we can lead our children to Christ is through modeling our personal relationship with Jesus. I think this is where being in God's Word consistently will make such an impact on our kids. We can't effectively encourage them to have a relationship with God if we ourselves don't prioritize our own relationship with Him. If other things get in the way, Mm -hmm. you know, We can't impress that on them. I remember catching my dad during his early morning Bible study. I didn't probably catch him very often because I've never been one for early mornings. But (laughs) I knew then, as I do now, that Bible study is a priority for my dad and was my entire childhood. Mm, I love that. It's a beautiful thing for our kids to see us spending time reading the Word and praying. What Mm. an example. That's the most powerful thing I think that our kids can see us doing is reading God's Word and praying uh, for God's intervention in our lives and that we would please Him. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. 
Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm and I was like, yeah, dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID. You know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper, but my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. All right, so let's talk a little bit about baptism, because in the same way that we want to be careful to not push them to salvation before God calls them, we also don't want to feed them what to say when it comes to baptism and talking to the pastor or the children's director about readiness. Well, Ginger, I'm sure most of our listeners understand what baptism is and why it's important, but um, just in case some of our listeners are new to their faith, let me quickly explain, and I'm actually going to quote from the Gospel Project here because I really like how succinctly they define it. Baptism is an act of obedience, symbolizing the believer's faith in Jesus Christ, our crucified, buried, and risen Savior, the believer's death to sin, the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ. Baptism is essential for the Christian life, but it does not create that new life. It is a testimony to the believer's faith in the final resurrection of the dead. And if you have put your faith in Christ, then the appropriate response is to be baptized as a declaration of faith. And that's the end of the quote. So, Ginger, you were saying that we don't want to feed our children what to say when it comes to talking to their pastor or the children's director about readiness. That's right. And, you know, I actually have to confess to you guys that I didn't follow my own advice here. I was teeing you up for that, Ginger, yeah. so you can tell us all your faults. <laughs> all my faults. Yeah, you love to set me up. I do. And so I totally didn't follow uh, my own advice here. And my pastor at the time totally busted me on it. Uh, when Alex started talking to me about wanting to get baptized, I was just so eager for her to do that that I literally started drilling her with questions and feeding her the answers. <laughs> it was more like a 
catechism drill instead of really seeking to probe her heart to see if she was genuinely being led by the Holy Spirit and ready to be baptized for the right reasons. So we made an appointment with our pastor so that Alex could go and talk with him after church one Sunday. And while we waited outside the door for our pastor to come out of the meet and greet room, I was literally having Alex rehearse the answers to the questions that I assumed that the pastor was going to ask. And I didn't see him walk out. And so again, he totally busted me and he called me out on it as well. Mm. He should. He said, are you rehearsing answers with her? (laughs) And like the model Christian that I am, I lied and said I wasn't. (laughs) So so there I was not only feeding my daughter what to say, but also lying to my pastor about it right in front of her. Mm. How's that good for a good example? (laughs) You know, I actually don't ever recall repenting about that. So Lord, please forgive me. Mm. So because Alex was so well-versed by her overly eager mom, she was baptized at five years old. But it was premature because years later, she admitted that she just wanted to get in the baptism pool and be allowed to take communion. So basically, (laughs) it all boiled down to her being able to get in an oversized tub and uh, snack during church. Okay. I don't want to sound sacrilegious (laughs) here, but there is something so enticing about stale crackers and three drops of drops of juice to kids who just don't <laughs> understand the importance of those things. And I can imagine it's even more enticing in churches where there are allowed real wine. So that actually <laughs> happened to me unexpectedly when we first took communion at our church in England about 11 years ago. Let me tell you, that was a shock when you're used <laughs> to grape juice and you get wine. You get wine. <laughs> you know, I bet that's probably what motivated you to try to make wine out of acorns in your backyard. <laughs> it's probably that very church event that led you astray. No. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, actually, you said that was 11 years ago. Your, your right. wine shenanigans when, were when you were little. Yeah, uh, so yeah. You were already grown and married when you were in England. So never mind. Yeah, I kicked the habit when I was like seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, give me some credit, Ginger. I'm not making acorn wine in my backyard anymore. Yeah, I kicked that. Actually, it was more like middle school. Uh, but listeners, in case you were totally confused and missed that episode, I wasn't making actual wine. We just fermented some acorns because we liked the way it smelled. Um, <laughs> none of us... We weren't brave enough to actually drink it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm definitely relieved to hear that. So, yes, Katie, it was definitely kind of the same thing with Alex. It was uh, was enticing for her. She was just wanting to participate in what she saw other people doing at church. And it wasn't Mm. until she was 12 years old that she admitted and confessed all that. And, uh, And then her papa baptized her as a genuine believer who wanted to be obedient to God rather than just a kid who wanted to go for a swim and have miniature crackers and a swig of grape juice. We were Baptist. <laughs> we even diluted the grape juice. So. <laughs> All right. So let me just add this here because I don't want uh, you guys to make the same mistakes that I made. If your children want to talk about baptism and you're not really sure that they're saved, you know, don't be like me and try to drill the right answers into them. But at the same time, um, we want to be careful to not discourage them. So you wouldn't want to say something like, well, we're just not sure that you're really a Christian, so you're just going to have to wait. <laughs> no, we wouldn't want it. That would be super discouraging. Mm. A, a more encouraging, but at the same time cautious way to handle that might be to say something like, you know, don't worry about baptism right now. Just keep focusing on getting closer to God, focusing on knowing and loving God for just a little while longer, and then we'll talk about baptism. I really like the way you phrase that. So we've had this same conversation with one of our kids recently. This child was unsure about why we hesitated to baptize the moment there was a profession of faith. And we said that while we were encouraged by the fruit of repentance that we saw, we still desired to see more hunger for God's word. I wasn't sure if that was the right thing to say, honestly, but this child seemed to understand that following Jesus requires more than just warm and fuzzy feelings. 
We aren't saved by our works, praise the Lord, but we are called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So the first thing we can do when our children talk about Jesus is encourage them. Ginger, what's the second thing we can do? We can challenge them by explaining how a true commitment to Jesus means never turning back. It's a lifelong commitment, not a one-time prayer. And it's a personal decision and commitment that shouldn't be based on the commitment of their parents or their friends. We want them to understand that it's a commitment so strong and so true that even if the people they love turn away from God, they wouldn't. Asking questions that require more than a yes or no answer is a really great way to evaluate where they really are in their understanding of the things of God. So we might want to ask questions like, how do you know God loves you? And why do you need a Savior? And things like, what has God done about your sin? And, you know, really give them time to think and answer on their own instead of prompting or hinting or putting words in their mouths. Because allowing our children to answer the questions on their own, that's going to help us discern their level of understanding and their spiritual readiness. So if you determine your child is ready to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, I have a great model for how to use the scriptures to lead your child to Christ in the back of my book, Don't Make Me Count to Three. I actually have two sections in the back of that book that are super helpful as far as that goes. One is Appendix A, which is on how to become a Christian, and the other is Appendix B, which is on how to lead your child to Christ. And so we'll tell you guys uh, how you can get a discount on that book at the end of our show. Okay, so when our children talk about Jesus, we can encourage them and challenge them. What's the third thing we can do, Ginger? Well, we could look for evidence of conversion, especially when our children are saying that they have asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. The definition of repentance is to change one's mind. A true conversion is demonstrated by turning from sin to God, regardless of the age of the one converted. So if your child has been truly converted, there's going to be a visible difference. If Christ is truly in his heart, Christ will flow from his heart. Before I ask this final question, I do want to let our listeners know that Ginger and I both, Ginger, I think I can speak for you here, acknowledge that we can never know for sure what is in our kids' hearts. Mm -hmm. Honestly, we can't even fully know what is in our own hearts. Jeremiah 17, 9 is a sobering reminder of this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Thankfully, that isn't just a rhetorical question. The next verse reminds us that the Lord searches the heart and tests the mind. So with that disclaimer that we will never know this side of heaven, whether or not our children have made a true conversion, Ginger, what are some of the signs we can look for that will indicate that their hearts are filled with the Holy Spirit rather than just going through the religious motions? Well, as you observe your child who is saying that he's been converted, ask yourself these questions. Does he try to apply God's word to his life? Does he desire to obey you, his parents, more than he did before? Does he seem hungry to know Jesus? Does he receive correction and instruction with humility? Does he have a strong interest in pleasing God? Does he seem to genuinely love Jesus? In other words, do you see a difference in him? Ginger, I think we ought to put these questions and some of the questions you mentioned earlier in our show notes for listeners to be able to go and grab those and take a look. Good um, idea. And we all know that we won't see all of these things all of the time in ourselves or in our children. So I think it would be helpful to ask, does my child exhibit this fruit of the Spirit in increasing amounts? We're not looking for legalistic perfectionism. We're looking for sanctification. So becoming more like Christ as they grow and mature. Mm, amen, sister. Well clarified and well said. Thank you for that.
Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. This is one of my favorite parts of the show because it reminds us that parenting isn't meant to be done alone. If the coronavirus has taught us anything, it's that we weren't meant to live in isolation. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Sharon in Tennessee. And here's what Sharon writes. Hello, Ginger and Katie. I just started listening to your podcast a few weeks ago, and I have already listened to all the episodes. Wow. That's that's, impressive. impressive. (laughs) I haven't even listened to them all recently. (laughs) Uh, I have a 13-month-old daughter and have been so convicted by your episode that talked about excuses parents make for not disciplining children. I was definitely making some excuses particularly that she doesn't understand. I absolutely love that you constantly quote scripture and use it for training and instruction. I am so thankful to have found your podcast. It has already helped me so much with biblically parenting my baby girl. My quick tip for life is that if you are struggling trying to make thick and delicious chocolate chip cookies, who isn't? Mm -hmm. If they always turn out flat and crunchy, use baking powder instead of baking soda. Oh, wow. Mm. Simple. I love cooking tips. And that that's a really good one. Thank you for that, Sharon. And thank you so much for your encouragement about the podcast. We are so glad that you're finding it helpful. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We'd love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. We've reached the end of our two-part series called How to Lead Your Child to Christ. Ginger, I know you and I both pray that this has been an encouragement to our listeners and that God has given them wisdom and discernment as they lead their children to Christ. Will you please leave us with a final word of encouragement? Sure. When it comes to leading our children to Christ, the most powerful thing that we can do is pray for them. Pray that God would make Himself known to them and make their hearts tender and responsive to God's calling. We can point them to Jesus, but ultimately our children's salvation is only a matter that can be settled between them and God. So let's do all that we can to tell our children about Jesus and encourage them to pursue a personal relationship with Him. And let's pray that God would use and bless our efforts as we trust Him to do a work in their hearts in His timing. Thank you, Ginger, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This just helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Just a reminder, that's the book that has the appendix on how to become a Christian. So if you're looking for a scripture-based, clear way to lead your child to Christ, again, you can get Don't Make Me Count to Three, as well as the companion study guide at a 10% discount when you enter the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Thank you again for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. As a mom, I can't imagine going back to the good old days where parents just sent their teenagers off in a car without a way to call if they 
you know, get into a fender bender with their insurance agent's daughter. That's a true story. I did that. And as my kids mature, I like the idea of them being able to reach me if something happens. Uh, but I don't like the idea of giving my kids access to the entire World Wide Web of wackadoos. This is why I'm ecstatic to introduce you to our sponsor, Gab Wireless. They are the first smartwatch and smartphone provider to actually do something smart when it comes to our kids. Gab watches and phones look and feel like all the smart devices on the market, but the great thing is that they don't cost more than a mortgage payment. And they're super safe for kids. There's no internet, no apps, no games, no social media, and no contract. Instead, the Gab watches and phones have just the functionality that is safe for kids and nothing more. Gab watches and phones are just $100 and start at $10 per month for service. But for our podcast listeners, Gab has offered $30 off the price of their watches and phones. Just use the code GINGER at checkout to get your Gab watch or Gab phone for just $70. Go to Gab, that's G-A-B-B wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout. Again, that's Gab, G-A-B-B wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout.